This is episode 136 of the Landscape Photography Show. And before we get into today's podcast, I just want to thank the sponsor for the podcast, and that's Nature Photographers Network. You know, what is the value do you get out of Nature Photographers Network? Well, I know right now times are tough. Like, we're on the verge of a recession. I get that. And you don't want to add another subscription platform to your payments. But it's only $49 per year. If you do the math, $49 per year is just a really less than a dollar a day, way less than a dollar a day. So you're getting access to professional photographers who are going to give you straight feedback on image critiques. You're going to be able to ask them anything on specific days. You're going to be able to listen to their live webinars when they have those. And nobody else gets access to that except subscribers plus much, much more. You can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up for your membership. And because you're a listener to the Landscape Photography Show, what we worked out with them is a 10% discount for you if you use the code LPS10. So that's gonna ease the strain of another subscription during these tough times. Let's get to today's podcast episode. It's the second part of the podcast with Adam Gibbs. Now, Adam and I, in the first part, talked about his YouTube strategy, how he uses YouTube for his photography and for his business. And we even talked about if somebody wants to start a YouTube, you know, what do they do? What do they do right? What do they do wrong? In this episode, I wanted to get to his expertise and what I think he does better than anybody else in the world when it comes to landscape photography, and that's the use of light. He's going to share how he uses light and how you can master your light using some simple steps in your own photography. I want to ask you this. I want to get over to the light side of our discussion. Um, All right. That's what this is about, isn't it? (laughs) Kind of, more or less. Um, I, I do want to get into that because last time when you came on the podcast, one of my questions was, you know, your whole brand and we mentioned brand before is is quiet light and i asked you you know what is that and you just said it's just because i'm a lazy photographer um <laughs> just a, changed. A, a, a great <laughs> response by the way um this time you know i took another quote from your website that i want to use here and you say light is the key to producing an image that can relay sense and a feeling uh if somebody is unfamiliar with kind of producing an image with uh, a sense or a feeling. What do you mean by that? Oh, geez. It'd probably be easier if I could show some examples right now. Um, I think the thing is, is that with the the difficulty with light is that it, it, it can conjure up all kinds of emotions, but different in every person. So I, I might look at an image and just think it's fantastic. And, you know, sometimes you 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 might look at a painting or a piece of art and it can actually bring tears to your eyes because it, it, it kind of brings out some kind of emotion. Now that could be whether it might be light or it could just be the subject matter. But I think with, with light, uh, it really does, uh, it, it does conjure up certain emotions within us. And a lot of it has to do with how we feel at that time of the day or what's happening in our, in our lives. Uh, 
there's some times when you, you'll go out and uh, you might get some angry skies or something like that. And it just creates this energy that you've never experienced before. So I think light is, is definitely the key to good photography. And I, I guess the thing that I'm always trying to harp on about is you can pretty much photograph anything in any kind of light. It's just picking the right subject for that light. Like right now it's bright sunshine out here and it's really uninspiring. It's hot, it's midday. But if I really had the energy and the motivation, I'm sure I could find something in this light to photograph and actually get a decent photograph out of it. But you'd, ha but you'd have to be a subject that would go with this type of light. I remember um, last year, it was a bit of a nightmare actually. Uh, I had a client that I, that I took out to the Canadian Rockies and the weather was, it was the hottest, uh, the hottest week that we've had ever in Canada. It was just brutal. Um, central British Columbia, there was uh, the town of Lytton actually burned down. It went up to uh, 50 degrees Celsius and uh, Banff and Jasper, it was just brutal. It was just so hot and, and uninspiring. And I was really struggling to where to go with this guy, where to take him, because the conditions were just horrible. Even in the early in the morning and in the evening, it just was not great. So we ended up uh, at uh, a place called Tuckercore Falls, which is in Yoho National Park, this massive waterfall. And this was early summer, so the snows hadn't quite melted yet, but as soon as we had this, this heat wave, all of a sudden all the snow was melting all at once, so the, the falls was just raging. And I remember going to the falls and below the falls is this quite a, a large forested area, but it was just getting pummeled by all the mist and the uh, 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 the water from the waterfall. And it was just incredible. And it was an incredible event to photograph. But I just remember the light. It was sunny, but you'd have that sun coming through the fog and then these light beams. So it created this really... Uh, really uh invigorating uh, emotional response within just watching this this you know this water come down on this forest and all these light beams i mean it was just just incredible so light definitely does play a part in in how you feel about a scene and how you end up photographing it um actually just yesterday i don't know if any of you have seen or Perhaps you should go over there after this. Uh, Simon Baxter, who's a, a YouTuber, just put up a, a video about an exhibit that he's been doing with uh, uh, another photographer, Joe Cornish. And Joe, uh, they talk about one of Joe's images on there. It's a, a, a beautiful twisted tree with this light just emanating behind it. And I had such an emotion towards that image, and that was just through video that I ended up buying a copy of the print because I just, for some reason, and I'm I'm guessing it's light, it just really resonated with me. And I just thought, man, I really want to hang that on my wall. Uh, so I ended up buying a print because I just thought the light was just so fantastic. I mean, th th there's more to it than just the light, but it was, it was definitely the light that really drew me to the image. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> this is kind of a bit drawn out there. I, I no, I, th I think it definitely does, and and I think from from me, if if I look at the photos that I've been able to sell and have had the good fortune to actually sell an image to somebody, since that's what we like to do as photographers, um, 
if I look at selling an image, the ones that I've sold and I ask people, you know, what, what drew you to this photo? What, what made you enjoy it? It may not be light right off the bat. Like they may not say, well, you know, the light, cause that's kind of photographer's lingo. They'll say something like the scene reminded me of home or the way this looked reminded me of my childhood or something yeah, like sure. that, like a memory that they've had lodged in their brain and light like you said, has a ton to do with that. The way it hits the trees, the way it hits the canopy. Um, and, and I would be interested to hear, you know, some of the prints that you sell, have you had some of the similar responses, uh, maybe not saying light directly, but saying something like this scene tied me to a memory. Uh, not, not very often. I mean, if it does, they, they haven't really said so. Um, it always surprises me when it comes to selling prints. It always surprises me what people pick. Uh, they always pick stuff that I probably wouldn't have picked, but there must have been a reason why I, I have it on my website in the first place. You know, you it's usually that the images that I really like are the ones that nobody else likes because I've I felt like I've put a lot of myself in into them, and I think a lot all of us probably feel that we we put a lot of energy into a scene. And uh, we think it's just absolutely fantastic. And we show it to people and they're just going to go, yeah, <laughs> you know. But I mean, as long as it's probably more to do with uh, the uh, the actual energy and the, the emotion that you put into actually making the image rather than the photographs themselves. Perhaps that has something to do with it. Uh, but I, I haven't really come across many people that have, I've come up to me and said, oh, this really reminds me of my childhood or, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Have you? Yeah, all the time, um, which is a, a compliment to me. But I'm also selling a lot to people who also live in my area and, you know, around where we live. A lot of times you stay put in the same county and you aren't really leaving very much you know you may go to a different town or a larger town but you're not leaving the county too much but like in, in terms of like we've mentioned like the use of light uh for that sense and, and and feeling for you when you're going out into the field and you're kind of you know boots on the ground looking at the scene in front of you how much weight do you put on light in terms of importance to the overall photograph? And, and when that we're talking, you know, light composition, uh, the lenses that you use, everything that goes involved. Uh, well, it's very important. Uh, and it's usually um, the light that attracts me to the, the subject. I don't usually go out looking for a specific subject to photograph. Uh, especially, I mean, lately I've been doing a lot of woodland photography uh, in old growth forests, and it's usually the light that I'll be drawn to. So we'll be walking through the forests and all of a sudden you might see a glimmer of light on, uh, say, a branch or some moss or something. So I'll just head on over there and look at that. And then that will be the kind of uh, the central interest in my in my composition and i'll try and compose around whatever that light is doing rather than the actual subject itself um i know that um last few weeks I, i've been taking brian out to we went out to carmana provincial park which is an old growth forest on the west coast of the island here 
And even on the cloudiest of days, you can still find good light uh, by what we end up doing is if you go on the outskirts of a forest or if you're along the, the, the fringe line between where a forest ends and you might have a, a river there or something, you, you all of a sudden you have this, this area where there are no trees. So you'll still get this ambient light flooding in, even on the most miserable of days, if it could be pouring rain, you'll still get ambient light flooding in and it's still enough to light up subjects beautifully. So that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll go on the, the fringes of forests and look for light there and then just composed around that light, if that makes sense, rather than saying, well, I want to photograph that tree, but the light's over here. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a choice between some decent light over here and a gnarly tree, then I'll, I'll go for the, the decent light and forget about the gnarly tree until perhaps it gets some light on it. Uh, another example, Brian and I were walking down a trail and there was these uh, backlit uh, ferns. And again, it was just a miserable day, but the way they were positioned, uh, the ambient light just made them glow. So we ended up spending quite a bit of time just trying to find a composition in these ferns that that just looked like they were neon green because of that, the light hitting them from behind, you know. So that's pretty much my approach to all photography is uh i don't usually go out with a specific subject in mind uh i'll just look for nuances in light and they can be very subtle because the nice thing about subtle is that even if it's so subtle that it's hard to kind of see it, it uh you know the contrast you can always bring that up in in photoshop or lightroom the dodging and burning you know I think it, a lot of it goes back to what we were talking about right before we went live here is, you know, some of the places that I can go, whereas it, we don't get the best sunrises and sunsets here. Um, but we do get great skies when it's very hazy overcast or uh, just sprinkling and you get that ambient light coming through the tree canopy and it subtly hits like a few trees or the rocks on the edge of a waterfall or maybe it breaks for a second and makes the tree canopy glow green um, you get a lot of that in and and i would echo what you said and that if i'm going out i'm looking for good lighting conditions over a great subject any day of the week because if the good lighting conditions aren't on the great subject it's really not going to be a great subject in the photograph. You need that light coming in and hitting it just right. Uh, and, and I would even, if I'm going to a location that's close by my house, I'm going to make notes on where the great locations are that didn't have good light. So I can go back when the right light might hit them uh, just right. And, and that's obviously a gamble if the light's going to be there. Yeah, for sure. Um... I mean, I, I mean, I like epic light as well, um, but I think we do put too much emphasis on those epic moments. Uh, but they don't happen that often, and they're only going to happen often if you put yourself in those places where they do happen often. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of people go down to Patagonia and places like that is because you get epic light. The the, the light is always changing, and it can be just incredible. I, I can't even remember the last time we had epic light where I live. Uh, I think one, uh, 
one day last year I, we were having a barbecue and we had some beautiful light in the clouds but not very often you know <laughs> so uh and part of it is like i said earlier laziness uh getting up early uh i mean i love the light in early in the morning but i don't want to get up at four o'clock every morning and you have to do that if you want to capture those moments when you get that that incredible light you're going to have to get up every day at that time and you just get burnt out you just i can't do it so i i spend most of my time on those days when the light is not epic and uh the the results are going to be more subtle. They're not going to be in your face. Um, they're not going to be uh, bangers on Instagram or, or anything like that. But I don't actually care because it's the it's the the finding of those those compositions that I really enjoy, and uh, I just like showing my results to people. So, yeah. <laughs> how are make How are people making capturing light in a photo overcomplicated? Well, it's funny on the the other day, I had a, a comment on my YouTube channel and I was talking about um, taking an image in Photoshop and using layers to um, paint in areas where you might get some wind movement. So say you're, you're photographing a waterfall and you want a specific shutter speed for the waterfall, but it's too slow for the foliage around it. So you need to capture it at a faster shutter speed to, to get it sharp and all that stuff. And the guy said, well, you know, how can I, how I don't have any of these uh, programs. How can I take a good image without Photoshop or Lightroom? And I thought, well, you can. I mean, people have been doing it for years and years with film before digital. Uh, what it boils down to is putting yourself in a position where you have good light for that subject, uh, good composition, all of the basics for photography will garner a, 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 a good or great image. You don't need all of this digital stuff to, to make a great image. And I think the problem that we're facing right now is we, we put too much emphasis on post-processing and what we need to do with the image afterwards instead of actually putting our effort into coming away with a decent image uh, from right when you're there. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I show my raw files is because I want to show people that, yes, sometimes I'll, I'll do quite a bit of work in Photoshop, but you, you don't, if you, if you put your effort into what you're doing behind your camera, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to unless you want to do something specific like change the sky or or whatever. Then yeah, sure. But for just decent photography, you really don't need all that stuff. Um, and uh, I, I I don't know. I think I think we we just uh, we concentrate way too much on on after the fact than actually when we're there. Guys, just want to pause real quick to tell you about the sponsor for today's podcast. That's Nature Photographers Network. Right now, you can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up for a year membership of $49. But there's better news. You can actually get 10% off of that $49 when you use the code LPS10 and get direct access to all of their subscriber-only content like access to professional photographers, many of whom you've heard on this podcast. 
and you get access to the community of photographers who basically all work together to improve each other's photography, give feedback, give critiques, ask me anything, live webinars, and exclusive articles. So all that for just $49 for an entire year. And because you listen to the show, you get an extra 10% off when you use the code LPS. 10. So again, naturephotographers.network, use the code LPS10 during checkout. But now let's get back to our talk with Adam Gibbs. Well, yeah, I used to say to people that I would take out on workshops all the time, you know, photography is 50-50, in the field, 50% post-processing. And I've since adjusted those numbers into more of 75 in the field to even 80% in the field to 20 to 25% in post-processing. And I'm sure maybe as I continue to shoot over time, that'll continue to adjust heavier in the field, but it's true, you know, more often than not, if I'm spending more time in the field, looking at a subject, looking at the light, looking at the weather and waiting on that right moment, I get a way better photo than I could produce in post-processing adding all of these tricks and tools and photoshop and uh, i'm not dropping in any skies or anything like that but just adjusting you know contrast here and there some masking here and there and if i do it in the field it's way better yeah and i think uh i mean it's it's pretty evident to me that when people come out on a on a workshop or come out on a trip with you, the, the joy in photography is actually just being out in the field. And a lot of these people, they work with computers all day. Like they're not doing photography for a living, they're just doing it as a hobby. They The last thing they wanna do is spend hours on a computer fiddling with photographs. I mean, some people do, but the joy for most people, I would argue, is actually being out in the field and spending time uh, looking for photographs or actually being there and witnessing light or whatever, not spending time on the computer afterwards. Um, and then you've got to think to yourself, okay, well, now that I've done all this work on this, this image, what am I going to do with it now? Like, what, you know, what, what, what do you do with it? I mean, I, I'm sure you're the same, but how many times have you heard someone, oh, I'm, I'm working on images that I, I took three years ago? What? I literally say it to myself every single day. See, I, I don't, I, I work on my images as soon as I get home, I'll put them through and then I'm done. I don't have any images that I need to process or process. <laughs> Cause I'm so excited to get them on the screen and show everybody. That's you know? good. I mean, photography should be exciting, right? And then I'll look at them and go, Oh, why did I show that one? That was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me throw the offer out to people watching live. If you have any questions about light um, that we haven't gotten to, please feel free to submit those and I'll, I'll watch them coming in um, as I ask this. And, and uh, one of the things that I've really learned from you, both in your videos and um, even in your presentation when we were in Kanab together, was your separation of subjects and, and predominantly in trees and and when you're photographing forests and it reminded me as i was going through your gallery on your website right before we jumped on uh every single photo has this really nice separation of subjects and trees and their gaps and spaces in between them and then you look i look back at mine which woodland photography is probably my my least significant least successful kind of uh photography but 
I think what is the importance that you place on separation between subjects when you are crafting a composition and when you are working with the light in the field? Well, I think it it, um, it really separate your image from uh, you know a, a, a mediocre image to something that's really really good. You you really need not every photograph, but I would say the majority of photographs need some kind of contrast. And I work with the basis that you know if if you have something light, uh, um, whether it be a tree or, or whatever, then you need it's nice to have something dark behind it and then something light, dark, light, dark. So that's creating that contrast and that three dimensionality. I think the problem that we all have, and I still, I still make the, the same mistake now is we go out in the field and because, because we're looking at something that's three dimensional, uh, we forget that the camera just doesn't see it that way. It, it, to really show that depth, you really need light. And if you don't have the light, then what you're seeing is not going to translate uh, into a photograph because it, it just looks flat and everything blends into one another. So it's a, a conscious thing that I'm always try try to be aware of is how does my subject or relate to what's happening in the background? And I think that's one of the things we forget a lot in photography is is looking at what's going on in the background and what's happening behind your subject not just the subject itself because that plays a huge role in in whether a, an image will be successful or not uh, and it can be you know sometimes you can spend way too much time uh composing a photograph and to the point where it gets a little bit stagnant and it looks uh, it doesn't it's just everything's too perfect so it's nice to throw in uh, a couple of things that perhaps uh knock it out of kilter a little bit so that um it doesn't look so static and 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 dull, um, but I think I think contrast is and and separation is a well, it's a huge uh, important thing for me for sure. And even you know stupid little things like um, with trees, especially you might have one tree in the foreground here, and then you'll have another one in the background, but the, the branches are, are overlapping. And if you just move your camera a little bit so they're not overlapping, it's just enough to to uh, so people can see that oh yeah those two entities are separate are separated from one another just little things like that you know definitely um somebody is asking uh will you ever return to four by five film photography uh probably not <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't blame you honestly I'll be honest with you. I when I shot four by five, uh, I absolutely loved it. I loved the process. I loved uh, loading the film. I had my little uh, tent, and I'd put my arms in there and, and load the. And sometimes I'd I carry that stuff uh, backpacking with me. Uh, I loved uh, setting up the camera, uh, the whole process. But now, uh, my, I still have my four by five. It's up in the attic, and I have. A, a couple of hundred sheets of four by film, uh, four by five film that need using, um, but I just I just can't get motivated to use it. Um, I, I really enjoy using the camera that I have now. Um, I mean, the GFX system is I, I just love using it. So, it, and that's the thing about camera gear. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, camera gear is not important." Well, actually, it is. Uh, and what's important to me is is your joy of using that camera gear. 
Um, I really enjoy using the, the GFX system and that's a huge part of, of my photography. Um, but the four by five, yeah, I, I enjoyed it and I used it for 10 years, but now I'm, uh, I just, I just don't want to get it out. So if anybody wants to buy a four by five, um, <laughs> I got Wait, some great what's the I, price. What's the price? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to, there's some great lenses in there. I have a, uh, uh, a Simar, uh 80 mil XL. I think it cost me like three grand when I bought it just for that one lens. I mean, it's, it's a, the setup is, I think it's a great setup. The camera only weighs three pounds. It's a rail camera. So we've got tons of movement. You can use 500 millimeter on there, um, which with a field camera, you can't because the, the bed's too short. Um, I've got a, I've even got a, a Fuji, quick change which you can't even buy anymore um so it acts like a, a motor drive for four by five so you can put eight sheets of film in there <laughs> so you know i don't know and now that to... your name's attached to them you know the price has plummeted <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't well maybe i mean that's why i've kept it because maybe one day i i might get interested again and 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 go out and make some images with it you know but the thing is the problem is is that okay so you 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 because i use transparency film so i don't do my own developing so i'd have to take it in and get it developed but then you've got to scan it you know um i have a scanner as well uh so I, i'd have to drag out the scanner and I'd probably have to relearn how to use it because i haven't used it for years and years so um there's just a lot of faff i just rather just take the images and <laughs> but like but i can definitely see the appeal to people i i'm not i'm not down shooting the the appeal of shooting four by five film i think it's it's a great thing and actually if if you really want to learn about for, actually photography and making images four by five is a great way to go you quickly learn all about f-stop shutter speed iso all that stuff otherwise you'll just keep screwing up your images so you need to know all that stuff uh, no, that I'm glad you said you have to you have to enjoy using your equipment. Um, and it's it's honestly the one reason that I don't use filters in the field, not even like ND filters to lengthen exposures or anything like that. It's just because I don't like them. I don't like fooling with you know different different threads on the end of my lens or anything like that. And I'll use a circular polarizer from time to time with waterfalls just to remove glare off the surface of the water. But if I don't have to do that with a waterfall, I'm not even going to put it on there. And it's just, it's just your enjoyment of the process in the field overall is what it comes down to. So don't go out and buy something just because somebody said you need it really think about what you enjoy to do in the field and if it applies to that then make the purchase if you think it's going to add value to your photography and if it doesn't then that's just what works for them and not what works for you yeah i mean i think we all get i mean i got I've, i get caught up in in that as well i mean i i definitely have bad gas uh, i have a lot of equipment that i probably shouldn't have bought um because you really think that it's going to help you in the field. But really, ultimately, if you want to improve photography in photography, the only thing that's going to really help you improve is by actually going out and taking photographs and going out with um, the least amount of equipment that, that you need. 
Um, now, having said that, my pack probably weighs more than anybody's out there because I'm I'm carrying video gear, medium format gear. Um, but it, it becomes a bit of a, a deterrent. It becomes uh, a hassle. You know, you you end up not wanting to go places because you're carrying too much stuff. So if anybody wants to uh, be my assistant for free, uh, get in touch. <laughs> Carry my stuff. <laughs> I think that's a job for Karen. Come on. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to one, one other question that came in uh, from Chris Cousins. And he said, when you're out looking for light as opposed to subjects, how do you prepare to capture something that has a tendency to change so quickly? Is it just a waiting game or do you have everything ready to just press the shutter when you see the right light? Hmm. I guess it, it depends on where you are and what you're photographing. I mean, on the island here, because we had this conversation before we started a little bit about um, people have often asked me, well, how come you just photograph trees and waterfalls? Um, and my answer is kind of like, well, because that's what we have here on Vancouver Island. And if I'm going out to photograph trees or forest, then I usually, uh, I don't have any kind of expectations of a specific subject in mind. Um, now, having said that, if I was going up into the mountains to photograph um, whatever, uh, you know, you, you're more reliant on light up there. So it, it would probably end up being quite a bit more of a waiting game, uh, you know, setting up and, and waiting for something to happen. So getting your composition all set up beforehand, but but also being ready uh, just in case something happens that you weren't expecting, like you might see a shaft of light or something happen over there. So that's where it's good to know your camera system so you can set up really quickly and, and get the shot. Um, so you're not fiddling around trying to figure things out beforehand otherwise you know you'll end up losing the shot um i don't know if that answers the question but i you know i, I guess it boils down to it really depends on, on what it is you're photographing i'm not huge on being organized for my shoots um i know a lot of people like to use all kinds of apps um like photo pills and that and I think they're great, uh, but it's just not for me. I just, I just like to go out and just see what I can find. That's pretty much my gig. Um, Definitely, uh, I would, I would even say, be ready with what you're looking at and what you're shooting, but be prepared for something that changes. And it may not be like, I don't, I don't really think people should be like a squirrel chasing you know different light that's going on everywhere and just hyper aware of, of all that but if you see light that happens and it's interesting but then it's gone in a split second just have the discipline to stick with the composition that you have right there and just say well you know maybe that that may happen again or it may not uh, but just kind of be aware that that did happen and if it continuously happens over and over and it's a better shot than what you have there I would, you know, make the switch because that does have the consistency to happen over and over. Um, I can think of a, of a couple shots just like in Zion National Park where I used that sat and watched the same scene for at least an hour and saw the light happening over and over. 
then shot multiple frames of getting the light shafts coming through and hitting the valley and uh, blending those in in Photoshop versus, you know, trying to get them all in one shot because it was impossible. I and mean, it was one second and it would be gone. Right. Um, so you can be ready for it, but you don't need to constantly be like, well, the light changed. I'm going to, you know, completely take down the composition and change lenses and reframe it over here. And uh, that's you're going to miss more shots than not if, if you do it that way. But if you're aware and, and you just know that it may happen, um, then you can be prepared for when it's consistent. And of course, we've all done that, right? I mean, how many yeah. times have you been in an area? You go, oh, the light's over. And you walk away. Sure enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My first in January, my first night in Death Valley, like I had gotten nothing all day. Uh, of course, just like socked in skies over the mountain ridge where you have, you know, the salt flats right in front of you. And just like, eh, it's not going to happen. I'd been up for like 20 hours at this point. So I'm just like, screw it. Going back to the car. Of course, on the drive home, the sky just like blows up. Go back to the campsite, and everyone's like, "Oh, did you get that?" And like, nah. And Dave's all dejected. It's it's a great feeling when you're the only one who didn't get it. Yeah. Well, Adam, uh, as we wrap up here and, and land the plane, I just want to thank you for coming on and and doing this, uh, being on so many streams, both video, live, and on the podcast and audio, so people can listen in later. Uh, just thank you for for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge about light and and helping us all improve. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I I probably sound like a crack record because I, I I pretty much talk about the same thing over and over again. But really, photography isn't rocket science. Um, it, I think my biggest advice to people is to stick with the basics, you know, and. Um, and you will get the shots that you are after. Spend time in the field, uh, work with the basics, and uh, and then work from there. You know, um, that's my advice anyway. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Good stuff. Man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bye, guys. Bye. I hope you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And honestly, I've learned a ton from Adam and our friendship over the course of the last few years and meeting Adam in person, talking with him. He's just as genuine as he sounds on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. If you don't mind, head over to iTunes or Spotify and leave a review for the podcast. It really helps us reach other people and other photographers to inspire them, to motivate them and to help them become a better photographer. Thanks so much guys. And I'll see you next week.